Any of those doing discipleship as well? Take your Bibles to John chapter 14, if you will. I'd like us to start there and just read over a few verses. John chapter 14, as we continue our study on the Holy Spirit, we have had eight lessons thus far, I believe, and we are probably going to have at least a dozen more as we look into the future. And so we'll be doing that every Wednesday night, but what we have a special activity or on some cases, I might be out of town. I believe in March, I'm out, in, out of town on a Wednesday night. John chapter 14, let's start at verse 16, if we will. And we'll read down through verse 26. The Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Oh, let's see. We have not stood in a long time. Could I have you all stand as we read God's Word? Uh, We haven't done that on Wednesday night much, but uh, I think it would be a refreshing habit for all of us, uh, honoring God's Word. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye are in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him." Judas said unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us and not into the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, but the world which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And we'll stop right there. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, in these next few moments, I trust that you'll use your word and teach us about the wonderful person of the Godhead, We call the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We're so grateful for his ministry in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we long to have you control our lives for us to be completely yielded to you so that you in turn can empower us for the cause of Christ and the work that Christ would have us do here on earth. And Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for all you do for us, the comfort. Lord, so many challenges and people have passed away in the last several weeks, and yet you are the great comforter. We look to you, we lean on you, and we feel your love, and we're grateful for that. Now, Father, bless in this study and bless these dear people and those who are watching online, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. This is the third lesson on a Wednesday on the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been listing different things the Holy Spirit of of God does. 
I believe the first time we had six different things, and then last week there were five, and tonight we're looking at five other works of the Holy Spirit. Now, honestly, we could continue to go on with this, but I think it's a sampling enough to show us the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And the more we understand about the work of the Holy Spirit, the more we are wanting to be yielded, we are going to want to be yielded to the Holy Spirit because he directs the life of a believer. He empowers us. He does so many things in our life. Sad to say, he is many times the silent member of the Trinity. We know that God spoke and creation took place. We know that Jesus spoke and we have the New Testament and the gospel of Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit, though, speaks inside and he ministers to us and teaches us all things whatsoever Christ has said unto us. Now, you and I are so fortunate in that we have a written record of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in what we call the New Testament and the early church. So we have the Gospels, we have the uh, Epistles, and we have the writings of the Apostle Paul, all 27 books in the New Testament, whereby we have a written, authentic, authoritative record of God's Word to us. But keep in mind, when those words were written in John chapter 14, uh, there was no written record. The last book in the, our New Testament was written about 95 AD, John on the Isle of Pat Patmos, and that's the book of Revelation, the last one in the 27 books. So for many years, Christians, even on the day of Pentecost and long after that, did not have a written revelation. But they did have eyewitnesses, and that was the, the apostles. And last week, we found that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is he witnesses. Um, and the Bible says, whereof we also are witnesses, and so also is the Holy Ghost. And so the apostles were eyewitnesses of the ministry of Jesus, and so was the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we have a written record of the ministry of what God wants us to know about uh, what Jesus did, the salvation he offers, and about the New Testament church, and how to have a church and a life as a Christian that is pleasing to the Lord. We have it in written form. But I would say that sometimes, because we have it in written form, we probably just don't depend on the Holy Spirit as much as the New Testament Christians had to, because they had no written gospel. And when they heard it, the Holy Spirit of God quickened it, empowered it, gave life to it. And they understood and they knew that that was the word of God because the witness, the eternal witness of the Holy Spirit of God. So let me say that we ought to rejoice that we have the written record, the authoritative, uh, inspired, inerrant word of God. Praise God for that. But we also have the witness of the Holy Spirit of God in our life, and he wants to use the word of God to transform our lives. And so I trust that in these weeks that we are hungry for the Holy Spirit of God to control us and guide us and lead us, because that's when our Christian life really blossoms and comes to life because we're not depending on our own efforts. We're trusting the Holy Spirit to do a work through us that's pleasing to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So either you work in the energy of the flesh, trying, trying, trying to do things pleasing to the Lord, or you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit of God then starts working through you to do that which pleases the Lord. And may I say that is a much better and more effective way is when we're yielding to the Holy Spirit and He is simply living out the life of Christ in us and through us. So having said that as introduction, let me share the last five things we want to share about the work of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is the Holy Spirit ordains, ordains. Now to ordain is simply mean to recognize that which God has already recognized. When we think of ordination, we think about laying on of hands and and people praying over maybe a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary or someone going into full-time Christian work. And we're praying for God's blessing on their life. But the reason we're praying for them is we're fully convinced that God has already called them to that task and God already has ordained them to that task. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, the Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flocks over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now the Apostle Paul is meaning with the church elders, pastors of Ephesus. Ephesus was a big city. And actually, if you look at the ministry in the book of Acts, you'll find that out of Ephesus, all of Asia was reached. Uh, The Bible talks about because of Ephesus, everyone in Asia has heard. Now, uh, Ephesus is one city. Asia is quite a large territory. That'd be like saying out of Beaver Creek or out of Oregon City, the gospel has gone to every place in Oregon. And we'd say, well, I'd hate to be that presumptuous, but no, that has not happened. Uh, But that's exactly what happened in Ephesus through the ministry of that local church that the Apostle Paul founded. And so God used them in a mighty way. And so he's on his way back to Jerusalem, and this is that last trip he'll take. And there he's going to be bound and get on a boat to go to Rome where he will eventually be beheaded, be beheaded for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He stopped at Miletus. He didn't stop at Ephesus to say goodbye to him. He stopped at Miletus. Miletus was sort of a coastal area about 10 miles away from Ephesus. And the reason he stopped there is because he had spent three years in Ephesus. His longest ministry in all of his many ministries was there in Ephesus. And he knew that if he went by and went to Ephesus, he might not go to Jerusalem as God had directed. And lest he be tempted to do that, he calls for the elders to meet him at a, meet him at a neutral place in Miletus. And there he's going to say goodbye to him. And it's in this context he's going to say, why mean ye to weep and to break my heart? When he saw the elders of Ephesus weeping, and the Bible says they were weeping because Paul was very open and honest with them and said, you'll see my face no more. I know what I'm going for. I I know why I'm going to Jerusalem. I know what's going to happen to me. I know what befalls me in every place I go. 
but none of these things move me. And we see that all in Acts chapter 20. It's a powerful, powerful chapter. But the Apostle Paul is saying whom the Holy Ghost has ordained or has set in charge. The Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, this is talking about pastors of a New Testament church. They are not called by man. They're called by the Holy Spirit of God. They are ordained by God and then ordained by man. And let me just share the purpose of that. First of all, a pastor must know that he has been called by God. That's, his, that's God's ordination. But secondly, he must be ordained by man. There must be enough man. There must be men, and by that, godly men and women. There must be a church or a group of people that have confidence in his calling that God has ordained him. Because if a man only has the ordination of God, but not the confidence of man, he cannot build, have a ministry. And that's why there's particular requirements uh, uh, counting that a bishop or a pastor or an elder is another uh, title for the same ministry as pastor. Unless he has the confidence of other Christians, he has no ministry. He's got to build that through his godly life, through a track record. The Bible says, lay hand on no man suddenly. No novice is to be ordained. Uh, You got saved. You feel like God wants you to preach. Great, let's ordain you. No, 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 no. You got to live for Christ. Let's, Let's watch your life. Let's see what God is doing. Let's trust that the Lord has done a work in your life and, and you show that before godly men and then we'll have an ordination service. To feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And may I say one of the reasons why church, church, has such a high regard in the life of a believer is because it is that which was purchased with his own blood. Our Savior, when he died on Calvary, died to redeem us and died to establish a New Testament church. And the New Testament church was meant to be God's method and means of getting the gospel around the world. Through the local New Testament church, the witness goes out. Praise God for, what, 45, 48 teenagers that went out today. Praise God for that. Isn't that exciting? By the way, I'll just throw it out. That's not happened to any church in Oregon. I'm not saying to brag on us. I'm just, we've always had our teenagers going out sharing the gospel uh, ever since uh, we were about one or two years old, I guess. God has always used our teenagers, and praise God for that, leading tens of thousands of people over the years, or 49 year, 39 years, a long time. Many different people. But here the Bible says he purchased the church with his own blood. I've had so many people in, in my life say, well, I, I, I love Jesus, I just don't care for church. And, and to me, that's like going up to a man and say, you know, I really like you, it's your wife I can't stand. I don't know how you can be good friends with someone like that. You know, you're really a nice guy, but boy, your wife, I don't know about that. 
Well, that's about time you give somebody a knuckle sandwich or something, you know, or at least, at the very least, we're not fellowshipping together. But see, the church is called the bride of Christ. And so when we defame his bride, the church, we are in essence defaming Christ himself. So I believe as a Christian, we not only love the Lord Jesus Christ, we love his church. And the church is to have a pivotal role in the life of every single believer. That's where we get established. That's where we get taught. That's where we get ministered to. And that's where we begin to minister ourselves as the Holy Spirit of God transforms our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, the Bible says, But as God hath distributed to every man... As the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. In Titus, the Apostle Paul told Titus to go to some of the churches they have visited and ordain elders in every city as the Apostle Paul had chosen. He was a man who was... uh, uh, astute in spiritual maturity. He could look at a young church that's a few years old and be able to determine, I believe God's using you. I believe God's powers on your life. I believe God wants you to minister. And so God used him, especially in the early churches. And so he ordained in all the churches. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. They are put in place by God. And of course, when we read that, we particularly think of governmental powers because Romans chapter 13 deals with that subject. But it deals with everything that God ordains is is because of his wisdom, of his power, of his forethought, of his ability to know what is best. And God calls someone to that ministry of being a pastor. I'm so grateful and thankful for our pastor here at Grandview Baptist Church and Brother Layman. And what a blessing he is to our church and to our people. Uh, That is such a wonderful thing to have a young pastor come in with great maturity and be able to lead us to see great things happen for the cause of Christ. Uh, And I I praise God for that. And I trust that churches all across this country can enjoy that same transition as their pastor becomes an older man and needs to uh, yield the, the reins to a younger man to be the pastor and continue to lead that church on to great and mighty things. So let me state three things as it relates to the Holy Spirit ordains. First, the elders or pastors mentioned in Acts chapter 20 were um, men whom the Holy Ghost ordained to be pastors, elders of Ephesus, pastors of Ephesus, same, same meaning. Secondly, Paul ordained men whom the Lord had already called. And that's what it speaks of in Titus and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. So he ordains men whom God called. He doesn't, these are not Paul called men. He's not ordaining people that he called into ministry. 
it, it is, he is ordaining men that God has called into ministry. I've been fortunate over the years to have many different people that I've pastored be ordained into a gospel ministry. Going back first to the very first church I pastored in Mississippi, uh, our song leader uh, became ordained. And actually, as I left Mississippi, he, a young man, became the pastor. Uh, when I pastored and started a church in Conway and I left, one of the young men who worked with me on the bus ministry would one day, several years later, be the pastor of that church. God always has a way of calling men and putting them into gospel ministry. And here at Grandview over the years, many of the young men have been called as pastor or missionaries or uh, different ways. They're serving the Lord in a full-time status, full-time role. Now, it's, it's not Pastor Mutchler who calls them. It's God that calls them. And we need to recognize that when we have so many God-called men who work in the ministry here at Grandview Baptist Church, they are not the pastor, but they are uh, an ordained member of God's ministry that God has specifically called to full-time Christian ministry. And we ought to honor men like that. Uh, Our staff, our pastor, our staff... Uh, men that are called in full-time ministry, that you might not see them preach that much, but they are godly men. They are men that have been ordained by God and recognized by others as a godly man who's called of God. And they work in a lot of different ministries here at Grandview, but they are all to be recognized and honored for the call of God on their life. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. And anyone who's willing to answer the call to full-time Christian service, we certainly ought to honor. Now, we try here at Grandview Baptist Church to take care of those men and their families. We try very hard to do that. But let me just say that any one of them could make more money in the secular world because of their giftedness. They are so gifted. Not only do they run ministries in a local church, they could run businesses and be very wealthy. But they've answered the call of God on their life. And that's what's important to them. And then God ordains the powers that be in the church. This is the pastor. And we have many different people who are called into ministry, but every church has one leader. And that one leader is the pastor of that New Testament church. He, he follows the commands of God, the word of God. And he is, uh, so many years I've had people ask, well, who, who are you accountable to? When I was pastor here for 38 years, who are you accountable to? God. Well, how come you're not accountable to man? Well, because man doesn't watch me 24 hours a day. But God does. And God watches over his man. God leads and guides and corrects. Everyone in gospel ministry knows what it is to have the Holy Spirit of God do the leading and the guiding and at times correcting in our lives. We are not flawless individuals. 
as I've often said, we're just one man doing the best we know how to do for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's taking what giftedness we may have and and some we do not have, but it's trusting the Lord to do what God has called us to do. And quite frankly, it's always a bigger job than we can do. Always a bigger job than we can do. That's why we must desperately seek the Holy Spirit's help and power. Uh, because without that, it will, it will certainly go lacking. We cannot do God's work in the energy of the flesh. We must trust the Holy Spirit of God. But just as a pastor or a missionary or evangelist has to trust the power of God and trust him to be effective in ministry, so must every Christian, so must every single Christian be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God because God wants to use each and every one of us. Oh, what an amazing church we have been blessed of God to have but imagine a church where every one of us are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and we come talk about greeting time. Our greeting time would take an hour as we ministered to each other and, and uh, spoke blessings on each other and prayed with each other for people going through heartache and rough time and loving on everyone like God wants us to do. But praise God, at least we have about five minutes to get around as best we can and love on as many people as we can. Because that's exactly what the New Testament church was ordained to do. That was part of it, fellowship and loving one another. The Holy Spirit ordained. Secondly, the Holy Spirit commissions. Now, a commission is one who is called to God's work, but is the sending forth of that person who's called. Uh, For instance, uh, David was ordained to be king over Israel, but he was just a lad. It would be when he was 30 that he would be king over Hebron for seven years and then king over all of Israel for the remaining of that 40-year ministry he would have as king of Israel. Uh, But he got ordained earlier, but he got commissioned later. Uh, For instance, uh, many of the men who are on staff here, they were called of God into full-time ministry, some of them as teenagers, some of them as, as rather young men. But, but they, no one ordained a 12-year-old, even though they said, I've answered God's call of my life. No one ordained a 17-year-old, even though they said, hey, God called me. Well, that's wonderful. But as they matured in ministry, they came to that time of commissioning. Now they are actively engaged in serving the Lord. And that's why in some churches, before you can get ordained, you must be actively involved in some service, in some role in a local New Testament church. They don't just ordain you and then say, well, what has God called you to do? And you say, well, I don't know, but I guess I'm open to whatever. No, they'll say, well, we'll wait till you get direction before we ordain you. And that's the commissioning. And the Holy Spirit of God does the same. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, the Bible says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God. 
And so we're asking the Holy Spirit of God to send forth labors into his harvest. And if a person, if a Christian will pray for that, then a Christian also ought to expect the Holy Spirit of God to do that. And if you as a a father or mother would pray that the Holy Spirit would send forth laborers into the harvest, don't be surprised if it's your son or daughter that he calls. Don't be surprised if it's someone you know, someone close to you, someone dear to you. I remember the Second time, when I was asked to consider starting a church in Arkansas, and they said, would you pray about it? I said, no. I said, I know how God works. If I start praying about it, he'd probably call me there. I don't want to even pray about it. But when you start praying about the Lord sending workers and laborers into his harvest, don't be surprised if it's you God calls My father was 52 years of age when God called him to pastor. I couldn't couldn't believe it. Now, I I know there's a layman. Many times people would say, Jim, you'd make make a good pastor. He said, no, God hasn't called me. But I remember visiting him and my mother and my father, after we resigned in Mississippi, we went and lived for a few weeks in Nashville, Tennessee, where my parents were living, because all four of us were in Bible college there. And Dad said, Mike, could I talk to you? I said, well, yeah. Sure, Dad, I enjoyed talking with you. Let's talk. He said, would you come down in the basement? And I thought, what a... What are we sharing secrets? What are we? And so I'm walking down the basement. I'm trying to think, uh, okay, does he have cancer or is he leaving mom? I said, they're, I think they're getting along well. I didn't notice him sick. And I'm wondering, what, what, what is this terrible secret? What, what is this? And we got down there. I said, yes, Dad. He said, Mike, I got a question. I said, Okay. How do you know you're called to preach? <laughs> Boy, I just laughed. <laughs> and it was like, oh, that's what it is. Okay. How do you know? And I said, well, Dad, you'll know because that's all you can think about. That's just all you can think about. He said, I got it. God's called me. And I'm thinking, really? He just had the best job he ever had in his whole life. And now he's called to preach to churches that are going to pay him all $400 a month, whether he needs it or not. It's just an amazing thing. I remember during COVID, I told the deacons to pray about uh, someone going and starting a church in Anchorage. And then I got a call and one of our deacons wanted to come over and meet with us. And so he came over, and I'm sitting there, and we're talking. And um, he says, Pastor, I think, I think God wants me to be the one to start the church. I said, Kenny, really? 
Kenny Menendez. I said, you, God wants you to start a church? He said, yeah, I think God wants me to start a church in Anchorage. I said, Kenny, you just got a big raise. I mean, honestly, for the first time, you're going to be making over 100000 a year. And here's what he said. He said, Pastor, it's not money. It's ministry that matters to me. It's not money. It's ministry. Boy, when a man says that, you know God's called him to preach, right? And, and he's doing a wonderful work up in Anchorage, and God is using him. So don't be surprised if you pray the, the, the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the harvest and he will send forth labors into his ministry. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, verse 4, So they, Paul and Barnabas, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from, the, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So they're being sent forth by the Holy Ghost of God. The Holy Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 13, earlier, it says uh, the church in Antioch was told, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work unto I have sent them. So God called them, and then they were recognized by the people, then they were commissioned by the Holy Spirit as well. So the Holy Spirit commissions Christians into the labor field. He puts them into their avenue of service. He has at least one avenue of service for every Christian. At least one. What is your avenue of service? Where does God want you to serve? How does God want you to serve? Every single Christian ought to answer that question. And it may be you won't get the answer in a day or a week or a month. But if you'll keep asking God in his good time, he will show you and he will guide you. And he will put you exactly where he wants you in ministry. Either in a ministry in a city that needs a gospel witness or in the ministry of the New Testament church here at Grandview Baptist Church. There are so many ways that every single life could be used of the Lord. Every single ministry needs help. Every single ministry, our Sunday school ministry needs more Sunday school classes started and more people teaching children and teenagers and young adults. We need that. And God has to touch hearts in order for that to happen. There's always more ushers, more greeters, more this, more that. There's help needed everywhere we could look. And is it because we don't have workers? No, we got a ton of workers. But we need more. And honestly, a New Testament church ought to try to see every single member involved somewhere. Somewhere, plugged into some ministry. Because the joy is not in the receiving. The joy is in ministering. It's serving others by the will of God. Being commissioned. So many of our people, even those here tonight, serve in our Sunday school department. Praise God for that. Teaching others. And it may be that God wants you to do the same. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit invites. Invites. Revelation chapter 22, last chapter of the Bible, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. 
And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The bride is the church, and that's believers. So the church is saying, come. And the Holy Spirit is saying, come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Every church ought to be a church where it invites people to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A church shouldn't be where a sinner goes and and listens and has to figure out what is the gospel and how could I get it. No, the church understands that, and they ought to present it very clearly, uh, very uh, simply, so that people can receive Jesus Christ personally. Every single time, every week, uh, we ought to see people coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, we have a church that gives that gospel invitation every single Sunday and many times uh, throughout the week as well. We witness on the outside and the Holy Spirit is inviting them to come to Christ on the inside. It's just amazing to see the Holy Spirit of God melt a heart and see that person come to that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of, seeing people come to faith in Christ. And then the Holy Spirit of God leads Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1, referring to the same instance, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit of God indwells us and He wants to lead us and guide us into life, in ministry, in marriage, and in our work, in our relationships as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, and as a brother, as a sister. He leads and He guides us and He helps us to be the best we can be as a believer, as a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ in this life. The Holy Spirit leads us as God's children, and the Holy Spirit leads us even when we do not think our path is pleasant. The Bible says Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. Now, wait a minute, what's going to happen there? That's where he's tempted of the devil. So every, every place the Lord leads us is not always roses and petals. There's thorns along the way as well, right? So we've got to be willing to be yielded to the Lord that wherever he wants us to go, we're willing. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Oh, yes, we've got to be able to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Uh, and uh, I love that song, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought. Uh, we've just got to be led by the Spirit of God. He leads us and guides us, and He will, and He wants to lead everyone. So if you're wondering, where should I serve? The Holy Spirit already knows. You ask Him, He'll lead you. Finally, the fifth thing is the Holy Spirit of God comforts. He comforts. 
And of course, as we started reading these verses in John chapter 14, we find that he's called the comforter by the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know, one of the reasons why we memorize Bible verses is because the Holy Spirit of God has that ability to recall them when we thought we forgot them. One of the most amazing things on Wednesday nights, our children right now are in a program called Awanas. You know, there's two great things that Awanas is built around. The first one is Bible memorization. So if you're a part of that program, you've got to memorize scripture. You will never get a medal, never get an award, never get a badge. You've got to memorize. And to go through each level, I'm not sure the number, but I believe it's somewhere around 60 Bible verses on each level you've got to go up. And the wonderful thing about that is that when you're young, your mind is like a sponge and just soaks in those Bible verses. As you get older, your mind's like a sponge that's been wrung out. (laughs) And all that wisdom just sort of ran out a little bit. But the good news is the Holy Spirit of God will still recall those verses that you learned when you were a little kid. I would say 90% of all the verses I know, I learned when I was little. And I've memorized chapters of the Bible and all that. And, but God's word stuck in my heart as a, as a young child. And the Holy Spirit of God has access to that. In Acts chapter 9 verse 31 it says, And then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Now, that's interesting. They had tribulation, they had trials, they had persecution, but they had the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And may I say, that's what's going to get us through the the years that lie ahead. If Jesus tarries his coming, it's going to wax worse and worse. And you might say, how are we going to make it? Well, because the Holy Spirit's going to take good care of us. We're going to have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The comforter has come. And we're going to be just fine. Don't get worked up. Don't get distraught. Don't get discouraged. It's going to be just fine. And if there's other troubles that you have in life, uh, you know, financially or maybe relationships or maybe other things come into your life that trouble you, may I remind you that the Holy Spirit of God will comfort you. Just look to him. Just ask him for his help and he will guide you. He will wrap you in his arms of love and comfort you as only God can. One of the chief names of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. And it's said that many Christians never look to the comfort that only the Holy Spirit of God can supply. I praise God for Christian brothers and sisters, but, but they're not the answer. They can't give you the comfort that the Holy Spirit can. They mean well, and we all do. But the reality is there's just times we just don't know what to say. We know our brother or sister is hurting. 
And we wish we had something to say that would comfort them. We don't have that. We just let them know we love them and we're praying for them. But the Holy Ghost can comfort them. The Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of them will comfort them and do a good job of it. Well, we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. As the Wednesdays that lie out ahead, we're going to be looking at different aspects of the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to see very much practical ways the Holy Spirit of God is going to help us in our Christian life. And I trust it to be a great blessing to each and every one. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of us as believers, who works in our lives, who teaches us, guides us, comforts us. Lord, what a blessing the Holy Spirit of God is in our life. And Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you. We ask for your fullness. We ask to be so yielded that you do the leading, you do the guiding, you do the empowering. And Lord, not for our sake or honor, but to lift up the name of our Savior, to bring others to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be yielded to thee so that your will and way might be worked out in our lives. Lord, we're just empty vessels and you have everything we need so that we could be useful to our Savior and productive for the cause of Christ. So help us, Holy Spirit. Let that be the prayer of every single heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let God work in your life. Maybe right now you want to have a word of prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to take your life and use it and guide you, give you wisdom. bless you. God bless you. And Miss Cindy, thank you for playing He Leadeth Me. I love that song. That's beautiful. God bless you. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, thank you for this time we've had around your word. Thank you for these good people. Lord, such wonderful people. I pray you'll work in their lives. I pray that you'll show them where they can minister and that you will give them the strength and the wherewithal to do it. Thank you for our teenagers, our college and career, our children in Awanas, our nurseries. Thank you for being so kind to us as a people and blessing us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.